Welcome back to Judging Book Covers Podcast, a bi-weekly book club podcast where I bring on two guests to read a book suggested by one of the guests. This week I am joined by Ryan Alexander and Vicki Crossan, and we read Gray by E.L. James at Ryan's suggestion. Now, I'm quick sorry. clarification, <laughs> this is not one, usually we get people on that want to talk about something that like really impacted their life. This is not that book for you, right? Uh, no, this was um, a really bad drunken idea that I had to follow up on, and <laughs> yeah, I, I sorry. hope we're going to enjoy this experience of at least talking about it, because I did not enjoy the experience of reading it. <laughs> yes, I listened to this audio book at about two times the speed. <laughs> I and yet, three times. It was yeah, like his, <laughs> Jesus. his voice was so slow that like at two times, it was still like, this isn't that quick. Like... <laughs> I don't have to sit here and like stare at the audiobook while listening to it to make sure I understand it. Like I could probably up this, but <laughs> Oh see I, I suffered yeah, I every, every digital page, every word on my eyeballs. <laughs> I couldn't do that, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this idea came after um, we were at the Flop House live show where they did Fifty Shades Darker, which uh, none of us had... No, you had seen a little bit of at the time. Um, yeah. I, I, I watched it with Stu, kind of. I was at the bar, mostly drinking, not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, none of us read the original series uh, or watched the original movies. I've now watched the first two movies, and I can't believe I just admitted that. Um, <laughs> but I so was sorry. Just, I was so curious, and I really love Jamie Dornan. Uh, I'll... Now can say I will watch anything that he is in. So, wow, um, wow. Yeah, you, yeah. you put that to the proof. <laughs> yep, I did. Well, mostly because I read somewhere um, that they allowed him to be scruffy in the second movie um, because he apparently looks really bad when he's clean shaven, and this is why he always has a beard. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense with that pivotal scene towards the end where Christian decides not to shave and leave the stubble. <laughs> Oh, God, yes. <laughs> so I guess we can just pretend that was a, a character choice going forward, is that Christian Grey just kept exactly. the stubble. Exactly. Um, so a quick summary of this book is basically um, <laughs> the billionaire BDSM fanatic side of Fifty Shades of Grey. And I have so many complaints. But I really, there's not a plot dude wants a woman to enter in a contract to be his submissive the end yeah uh, she <laughs> says she will but never signs the contract and then they break up and yep. then he decides he wants to win her back and cut to you know next book yes which is coming <laughs> out either this week or next week i think it comes out the tuesday after this episode's out oh no well, I, that I was kind of my they were writing Oh, yeah, that, was, that was my I impetus thought, for saying, like, oh, let's no. <laughs> go ahead and do this because the next book is coming out so we can, like, catch that internet fire of, of yeah. getting this one out <laughs> under the wire. Well, I mean, you do know that that means I probably have to bring you back every so often to continue reading the series. That's you know, I, <laughs> I, I'd be willing to, and I, I have some shocking opinions on this book that most people, I think, don't actually have. <laughs> uh, Wait, that, <laughs> are, I, are you about to say that you secretly loved this book? I'm saying that this book could have been really good. Uh, there were so many threads in here that, that could have made this a very, very good book. And we'll we'll pick those up as they come up. But um, 
I, I do mean, agree with you that most people probably don't have that opinion. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like there's like there's all these threads that crop up in the book that even like start to manifest a little bit in and then are just dropped entirely. Yeah. Um, and it's like, but you you could have talked about that. You could have gone further with that, and you could have made that more core part of the story, and it would have been powerful. But instead, you had to write these incredibly sex. boring sex scenes. More sex. Uh, yeah. When I finished this book, I sat down and was like, because it, it ends pretty much with him having a scene with his psychologist, who's like, well, why don't you try a relationship her way? And it's like. Outside of sex, do they ever really discuss what they're interested in? Well, there's there's seeds. There's seeds of that. And, like, I mean, this is, I think by the end of this book, their relationship is a total of two and a half weeks. I forget exactly yeah, the start like date. That. Yeah. Um, and there is, now it takes them, like, a week in to actually start flirting and stop just, like, uh, Staring having... At each other. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I'm I'm going to just uh, just for the sake of some levity, anytime I need to talk about him talking about his genitals, I'm going to use the word wiener because that's a lot funnier to me. <laughs> and it's also not used in this book. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the number of times that we have to hear about his wiener's reaction to her in the first chapter is like, <laughs> dude. Yeah, for someone who apparently has so much control over his life, like, to the point that apparently he does not really even have sexual dreams anymore, like, um, or maybe not even masturbate is kind of the impression I got. Like, at the same time, the way that his wiener is talked about, it has a mind of its own. Um, and there, there is, um, pretty early on, there's a, a scene where he contemplates masturbating, but fears that he might be caught, so he doesn't. Uh, so yeah, I think he probably yeah, does. Just really doesn't have much need to. Because he was in the shower too, and I feel yeah. like it's pretty easy to not get caught jacking off in the shower. Yeah, lock the door. You know? Just lock yeah. the bathroom door. Yeah, it's that easy. Well, also, you live alone <laughs> and you have a room full of BDSM toys. Like, well, and this was specifically when uh, he had brought uh, Anna to the hotel room after she oh, had yes. been drunk. Okay. And so she was sleeping in his bed and he went into shower. Bless. Um, I don't even know where to like start on this. It is a giant eggshell of problematic, (laughs) terrible nonsense that like any, any single incidence is going to break the whole thing apart. (laughs) (laughs) I have one friend who has read up until this point, she's read the first four books. Um, Doesn't particularly care for them. She's just a completist. Um, and I had to text her because I was very concerned about Miss Anastasia Steele, as she is called almost the entire fucking book. Um, her, does she have an eating disorder? Like her relationship. I was so concerned about this. (laughs) I was too. Like, it's very weird. There's a comment. Well, Aaron told me that there's, that it's not an eating disorder, but that apparently like she just loses her, too afraid to eat in front of him or something i don't know yeah and she she mentions that a little later in the book that that she is uh that being around him makes her nervous and afraid to eat and kind of loses her appetite which you know red flag number one this boy makes me lose my appetite (laughs) maybe not the boy for me or best diet ever i don't know (laughs) (laughs) this is true (laughs) um 
like, not a serious suggestion. <laughs> I, I, I feel like a lot of this book was intended to be kind of a uh, an apology for the implied <laughs> um, like slights to the BDSM community in the in the first trilogy because he does. And I will say, like, I I don't know a ton about this, but I know a lot of people who do know about this. And from my understanding, uh, which is the important part there, because I could be entirely wrong, um, the actual, like, nature of the BDSM relationship itself, the just the sexual relationship they have, is, is pretty well represented. Um, it is very much like he focuses a lot on permission, on safe words, on getting active consent. Um, but once the sex stops, that's when his whole active consent thing goes out the window and he does terrible things. Yeah. My concern when it comes from the BDS point of view, BDSM point of view is, um, especially the, the last punishment scene, like this woman, I mean, the book is what, two and a half weeks. So this woman has been deflowered and introduced into the BDSM world in two and a half weeks. And like, the fact that she asks him for the worst of the punishment and he doesn't remind her of the safe words. He does. He does. He says, like he tells her, you have safe words. You can tell me, no, you have all the power in this scenario. He does. But he doesn't right before that scene. So the whole time, like the, the six spankings or whatever, like he's like, why isn't she using the safe word? But he never, like before he started, he should have been like, he did, the time before the sex time before that, he does remind her of the safe word. That time he didn't, and I could see her not remembering. I feel like I feel like I'm remembering right. that differently from you because I, I feel like he underlined that like right before he did it. I'm just like make sure you say the safe word if you need to if you need me to stop. But he I only could does be misremembering. One time. I really on, only on one sex scene. I really felt like he needed to be reminding her after he hit her the first time. Yes, because. She apparently looked shocked and like terrified. That's when you say, "Okay, remember, if at any point you want to stop, you can unconsent halfway through this. You don't need to yes. keep going." And I don't um, think he ever told her she could revoke consent in the middle of a scene. It, it was like, "Well, oh, so grossly I know scenes. it's awful." <laughs> I was trying to pick the right word and I couldn't come up with anything better, so I just no. But that's it. what he calls them. He <laughs> no, calls them what, scenes. That's what. They, I mean, that is what it is. It's it's a type of, I guess, role-playing almost is what it's considered. But, like, his aftercare is shit. Like... Yeah, here's some ibuprofen and some cream. Rub it on your ass and go to sleep. Yeah, like, you <laughs> need to... There needs to be a conversation. It needs to be discussed. There should be, like, some intimacy and a moment of, like, hey, just a reminder, like, I really like you. And um, I'm not this total asshole. Like... And, you and both also, have to come out of that headspace. Well, and, and also, uh, typically, again, from my understanding, there's a lot of like actual nurturing and physical contact, which, of course, yes, him or her touching him brings out the idea of darkness and brings up his own abusive past. So he can't, like, he can't even fully commit to the to the aftercare part of this. No, and that is a major problem. And I mean, I can understand why she ran from the hills other than the fact that like which the time stalker, <laughs> the stalker tendencies should have been enough i mean i just so, yeah. read the book you um which is a second person point of view uh, from a guy who meets a woman at a bookstore that he works at and falls in love with her in like a creepy obsessive 
stalker kind of way like it turns into a a book where people, it's not a slasher book but people die and, the, and then i read this and i was like oh there's actually not a big line between these two guys no the literally i, I like... believe it's literally chapter two he um the first thing he does is get uh get his private eye after yeah. her and get all the information on her he possibly can and then go accidentally bump into her at her work and make her get his BDSM tools for him. And that's just like, oh, no, none of that. No, that is bad. Don't do this thing. It really distressed me that he so quickly played the, well, do you trust me card? It felt kind of Aladdin and Jasmine, you know, like, hi, random stranger <laughs> in the bazaar. Do you trust me? Let's go do a crazy thing, which is not probably the greatest way to start this sort of relationship where she has no idea what's going on and she probably felt really pressured into you know not being yeah. cool she she wanted to like be cool and impress him and he was smarmy and i don't know i didn't like how Wait. much he relied on well why don't you trust me the whole thing's about trust you should trust me though the fact that he told her to google bdsm instead of being like <laughs> here are some websites or at the very least, or like, here's a book. It just like, this is not how you introduce anyone to this world. Well, even like, and, and even that, like he buys her the laptop or the, the MacBook specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, we get to see that a hundred times that she has a MacBook. Just so you know, she has a MacBook. Um, <laughs> and then tells her to Google it. And then she's coming back with questions and he's going, oh shit, I should have given her these books to read. But let me continue to not give he her any additional information and just let her deal with this on her own and not give her these all these books that I thought of. Do you think the emails she sent, which I'm going to come back to that in a second, um, saying, well, thank you for your time. Um, I'm not into this. Have a nice day. Or it was nice knowing you. Do you think it was originally a joke when she sent that? Or do you think she was actually going, no, I don't want to do this? Um, and, and this is... I. I of course, we can't glean this from the original book because that's not the one we read. I feel like this is the one time in context where it was... It wasn't really okay for him to immediately go over to a, her apartment and then no. right. tie her up on her bed and have sex with her. But um, I feel like in this instance, it was her being a little freaked out but still being interested. But also just, like, definitely having that moment of, like, ooh, I don't know if I can do this. And trying to back out of it. Uh, but literally every time she says no to him, the first thing he does is physically go to where she is and yeah. either have sex with her or take him to somewhere he can have sex with her. Yeah, I think every time there's a problem, his solution is sex. Because he hey. has to convince her. There's no chance that she knows what's better. He, he knows that he is right and he just needs to persuade her, yes. which I find really troublesome. I want to talk about the writing really quick. <sighs> like, writing a romance novel, or, or an erotica novel. I don't read a ton of them. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you the last one I read. I have tried writing, um, and have submitted a story in the past with a group of friends. Um, it is not an easy thing to write. I don't know if either of you have ever tried it. Um, so, like, having tried it, I kind of, you know, give kudos to, especially people that want to try different words. When you call, instead of the word vagina, you use her sex. Um, I still laugh 
that I still think is ridiculous. <laughs> but um, I was going somewhere with this. Oh, the climax scene at the same time. Outside of like her first orgasm, every single time they come together. And I just was like, nope, this is not realistic. First of all, the fact that like she's a fucking virgin. I can't. <laughs> yeah, and like I mean but I don't want to you know peel it was back a the metaphor curtain. for their togetherness. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just assumed he has a magic penis and this is why she can't get away from him. I, I, I would believe it as a metaphor if she if, if if the author tried to pick up at any of the other things that were possibly very good metaphors in this book that never went anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, like I, I don't want to peel back the curtain too far, but I think that's happened to me once in my life of a simultaneous <laughs> thing. But uh, other than that, it's it's a little more work on one of the other sides. Yeah, it's not. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever had it happen, and that's yeah. I just like why would you? I, oh, fuck, this is so weird. Well, I mean, the the why would you is because this is technically porn, and porn is an idealized version of sex. That's true. That's true. Um, um, that said, I have, like, and I'll, well, I'll talk about this a little bit later. I have uh, read some other erotica that was, like, definitely, like, just silly in its own premise. Um and was a little bit more uh, varied in the words that it uses when it's discussing different parts and different actions. Um, as but long it was... as you're not going to suggest my dad wrote a porno, I'm no, <laughs> um, no. Uh, but it, like it, and and the ones that I read, like it was because like the the publishing company followed me on Twitter out of the blue. So I was like, what the hell are they following me for? And I saw the books that they had put out. I was like, I'll read a couple of these, and they're. They're literally, like, they're not so much books as they are just, like, very short stories mm-hmm. that you can knock out in 45 minutes, maybe, tops. Um, and it's it was a fun way to waste my afternoon to read a couple of those. Hey, I read a lot of fan fiction. I, you do not have to defend. Well, and, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, all my experience is... with this has been fan fiction, so my bar's pretty low, not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> well, and, and this book literally, I mean, let's not forget that. This book literally is fan fiction. True. It did start as fan fiction. Well, and the I first was actually... one was. But, like, yeah, by this point, one. you'd think that some editing would happen and some things could be tightened up a little, buried a little. I don't know. Well, if you I edit am... it too much, you're going to change the story and then you're going to, like, draw a lot of ire from your fans <laughs> and not satisfy the people like us who want to read a good book and didn't get to. I am very curious if there's any... Um... Mia Gray fanfic out there because like they almost had more chemistry in my opinion than anybody else. Yeah, um, Mia Mia rules. I love Mia in this book. Yeah, she's only in there for like a minute, but she's genuinely entertaining. And it, yeah, it makes me sad that that E.L. James can write genuinely entertaining characters, but chose two of the least entertaining characters to focus her story on. Yeah. I think because they weren't characters. He was like, what do we know about Christian Grey? Business. He's all about business. And <laughs> yeah. domination. He likes control. That's it. Got a character. And he's 50 I shades think. of fucked up. <laughs> Which, I, I'm sorry, that's the easiest line because everybody who's ever talked about the series has to like mention that line. And that's the, yep. that's the low-hanging fruit. But I had to grab it. Yeah. It's, it was right there. It's... Uh... Um, I'm trying to figure out what his business was outside of like buying other businesses and sending. Food I could not to... figure it out. 
sending food to third world com- countries. Well, and it's it's essentially a it's it's a holdings corporation, and I don't know a lot about business uh, with a capital B, but. It, to my mind, that's what holdings corporations do is they they invest in like they're lead investors in or owners of multiple businesses. But yeah, absolutely every single like business call or business email, you feel like I like I could harken back to the you know, the mid two thousands meme of the white guy in a suit laughing with the ha ha business. Yes. Um, and that's yes. what every single bit of his work felt like. It's like, hmm, we got to do the airlift in Darfur and then work on the tablet technology. I need the new build on my desk by Monday. Where are those pictures of Spider-Man? <laughs> um, it's so, it's so like white guy businessy. Yep. Just bottom one. <laughs> Speaking um, of the technology though, I want to complain about the fact that he gave her a Blackberry. Yeah. I thought it's it, 2011. Yeah. I was like, oh, a BlackBerry. I don't know when this is set. And then I was like, wait, no. I've been listening to these email headers read to me aloud for so long now. They definitely have the data. Because, <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I listened to the audiobook. I couldn't stare at the page. So, <laughs> yeah, 2011. Yeah. There were iPhones by then. I assumed that they were in Apple's pocket with the MacBook. And then, no, no. Oh, no. Just high no, tech. She, she needs a BlackBerry because, because most, like, and they have, they clearly have texting ability. Because they yeah, text a couple email, of times, right. but most of their talking happens over email. And Which, like, in 2011... And they, the subject lines like, keep changing. That's not how email clients have... Like, Gmail no. existed by then. And it stacks things threaded by yep. subject. And why would you break that? It's like this book almost wanted to be one of those... Um, Epistolorian? Epist- oh, anyways. One of those books that are written through... Um, documents and correspondence rather than like an actual book either do one or do the other and i won't be annoyed with the headers if it's done that way but yeah like 2011 so theoretically anna anna whatever is a year younger than me because i graduated college in 2010 so like by that point i was about done with my first macbook um, and had gone through probably two iPhones by that point. And also, um, and I, my college time was much shorter and much longer ago than most people. Um, at least most people in this call. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you know literally anybody in your school who, and I, I would actually kind of, uh, I'm going to bar Vicky from this question because I know where she went to school, <laughs> um, who, who didn't own a computer. Oh, yeah. Even even in high school. I just can't imagine well, I... that. Well, like, I'm trying to think. I, I wouldn't have been surprised because... Um, so I went to a school that was a heavy commuter school. So I could see it being a possibility. But anybody that was a traditional student had their own computer. Uh, or had had a computer. Like, the fact that there's a line that she says, like, I've never owned a computer. Like, thank God. In the movie, they changed that, that, like her computers on the fritz or something like because it's so unrealistic that she's never owned a computer yeah a uh, a uh, uh, fucking publishing graduate or i don't know what yeah. she got her degree in but oh she got it in she's she's an english literature major which is also what my degree is in and i am so angry because the fucking stereotype that all english literature majors always care about is brit lit like fucking <sighs> no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's like you can't you uh, my school, you could check out computers like laptops, 
in the library. So, like, occasionally I ended up on campus and didn't have my laptop or something and was like, okay, I'll just go work on it and then email it to myself. But you needed something to write papers. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I, like, I had a lot of friends and uh, had some former uh, partners who were, you know, anywhere between three to five years younger than me. And during their college experiences, like, regardless of where they were going to college, be it a community college or a university or even online schools, like, one of your first purchases you make with your first, like, student loan or grant or whatever is a computer that you can use for school because a lot of these professors, like, require things to be submitted electronically. And yeah. yeah. It's so bizarre to me that she would not have to own a computer and had never done so. Um, and odds are she goes to a school. I, I don't think it ever says which school she go. She's going to. Oh, it's um, it it doesn't directly say it, but it's a uh, it's like Western University of North Vancouver or something like that. Anyways, odds are they have online classes. I mean, right? I, I don't know any by twenty ten. I by twenty eleven when this book is like, there's no way that there's not schools without online classes they had blackboard by then right yeah. that old like oh my god I forgot about that forum yeah I, I had blackboard back when i was in college and that was <laughs> i had it in 2007 long before 2011 classes, so yeah <laughs> they certainly had that <laughs> i just um but it's I, I i feel like we're digging a little too hard on that i mean not that we shouldn't <laughs> because it's still like very bad but well it it's it's the fact that she no, it, I mean, it is a problem <laughs> that someone who is 22 that is not like, there is no comment of like, I just don't trust technology or I don't do technology or anything. It's just like, I've never owned a computer. That's bullshit. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is that he is talking about his BDSM lifestyle through his company email. Like, especially when he is looking to buy her company that she ends up working at. Like, that is HR problem written all over it. Like, no, just oh, yeah. I, like, I get that he owns he, the company, but like he breaks every rule that he should have set for his own company at HR. <laughs> yes, like you don't, don't, yeah, don't do that. Like people can search emails. We have emails that go missing all the time, and like <laughs> IT can find anything. Like I had a moment of panic. <laughs> I've already told my mom not to listen to this episode, so like hopefully you actually listen to me, mom. But um. I had put on my the guy I was uh, seeing at the time, um, his contact picture was not a, an appropriate picture, and he might have also been a coworker, um, mm. and so like apparently at the time my contacts were back being backed up to my work computer, and oh. so I was looking at my contacts and then there's a not safe for work picture there, and I was just like. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm very good friends with, like, our head of IT and was like, hey, um, <laughs> nobody could find this, right? <laughs> but just, like, the whole time I'm reading this, I was like, I don't, I don't, why? Like, no. Don't. Texting is a thing. <laughs> well, um, I want to, I want to circle back to some of my more controversial opinions and that this book <laughs> could have been good. Yes. Um, the... The email flirting, uh, as much as it's really bizarre to me that they were flirting over email, um, I also do I do understand this from a context of of both of them being able to to communicate much more clearly and be a little more playful 
when they have a few minutes to write everything down and see it before it's actually quote unquote said. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I'm frequently that way in my life. And I, that's, this is where Anna actually shines in this book is their email conversations. Yeah. She's clearly intelligent. Um, and she's intelligent and funny, like genuinely yeah. funny, uh, yeah. which we don't ever get to see with her in person. Uh, because anytime she's trying to be like fun, all we hear about is her smart mouth and how he'd like to whip that smart mouth off of her. <laughs> and... The audiobook, oh, her smart mouth. I was just like, this is, <laughs> this is not appropriate. Um, but like w- one of these threads that I, I actually don't know if I wrote it down. Uh, of course I didn't, but I can kind of remember it. So there's a thread uh, about two thirds of the way through the book where um, all of a sudden I feel like I feel like E.L. James got a thesaurus for her birthday and um, wanted to talk about that in the context of the story. So, like, Anna starts starts big wording at him. So he starts big wording back. And she even, like, was like, oh, Mr., I guess you have a thesaurus now. And at that point in the book, there are a couple times that she drops some, like, $20 words mm-hmm. for for no reason other than that. I say she as in the author, but uh, I'll I'll try to keep it as he as Christian and she as Anna. But uh, that that Christian starts dropping these twenty dollars words just like in his own narration, and I feel like that could have been a good thread of him actually like actually thesaurusing because he wants to kind of like match wits with her when it comes to wordplay. Um, even to a point where in narration, not in dialogue, but in narration, he uses this word, uh, mew. And I can't remember how to spell it exactly. It's like M E A I O, um, which is a word I've never heard before and is a very specific word that belong, like she used it in the, like the author used it in the one context that I believe it like made sense. And it's, it's pronounced mew like a cat mew, but it like specifically means like, Pursing your lips to make an O shape. <laughs> yeah, someone definitely got a thesaurus then. But I, and I, but I feel like there could have been like like don't don't play that down. Use these <clears throat> excuse me. Use these twenty dollar words, but like make it part of the character. Yeah, that would have been super interesting and like kind of fun to play with. Um, but of course I... she doesn't because then they have to write a scene where I don't know Anna's butt is there and. Christian wants his wiener to touch it. <laughs> Which is pretty much the entire book. Yeah, it would have been nice. Um, I don't know. It would have been a nice scene to see. It, I almost think it would have been out of character because at no point until she leaves the final time does he really seem to admit any sign of weakness or that he's not essentially a damaged god. Right. There's He doesn't acknowledge room for growth up yeah. until then, I think even though that seemed to be the underlying current to the whole story. Like it's from his point of view, look how flawed and ready to change he is. Maybe, <laughs> but they didn't. Yeah. And really he, he even it. seems to so recognize wasn't that convinced. Well, well, he even seems to like, he, cause he points out. And of course the second half of this book is, well, I guess this is a first, that's a first, this is a first, that's well, a first. Like, like hey, hey Christian, badges. maybe like you're Awful. doing things differently because you genuinely like, actually enjoy this person and that's why you're doing first time things but no you need your probably uh, like thousand dollar an hour therapist to say like hey maybe try a different kind of relationship with her <laughs> you know the one you you have been having 
Yeah. Like, maybe try that relationship instead of the one you want to force on her. Um, or even better, run, and why is his therapist... Uh, oh. Yeah, and his therapist is on vacation, like, most of this book. Um, which, like, but then he shows up, and I was like, oh, you're back, okay. Um, great timing. Um, Please tell Christian that he's an actual human monster, and he shouldn't be stalking a girl, and... Yes. Stealing her car and selling it and kidnapping her. and The fact that nobody yes. is like, hey, maybe this is a little creepy. Um, no, I agree. I want to go back to the merit patch com- comments because, <laughs> yeah, when he starts like, I can't remember which more quote unquote it was, but it made me like incredibly angry. And I, which, I cannot remember which one it was, um, but I was just like, you're not doing this. No, it was like, this is not more. This is like general human interaction. Um, it was definitely while he was in Savannah. It'll hit me which one it was. Which, that alone, flying to Savannah was I very creepy. It's so creepy. And I don't get why he did it. Outside oh, of he... like Mrs. Robinson being like, you should go. Um, if you if you miss her, you should go find her. And it's like, yeah, no. Also, for a dude who like says that he's in control of every aspect of his life, he certainly listens a lot when people tell him how to live his life. Yeah. Like when when Elena tells him to go to to Savannah, and then when his therapist says like we'll do that, like he's just like, oh okay, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about Elena, especially in in our current political climate. Um, oof, oof, oofa doofa. I was, <laughs> I agreed with Anna. Like, I'm sure we all did. Like, she's creepy, mm-hmm. and what she did was fucking creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, like, and this, this is another one of these threads that this book could have picked up on. Like, I, I don't want to excuse any of any of Christian's behavior throughout this book of, of all the, uh, like, the straight-up gaslighting that he was doing to Anna. Yes, right. Um, but if you were able to frame this, from a point of view of not only was he, uh, I, and I hate the term, but in in his own words, uh, born to a crack whore. Um, and that's like, it, it's the easiest it's term true. for it, but it's also what he says. Of just Yeah, he, his mother was a drugged up prostitute yep. who died of either an overdose or abuse. It's unclear, but I, it feels like an overdose to me. Um, yeah, because the dude comes back, so. Yeah. And is then adopted by this other family. And uh, I'm guessing we, if we were to continue this series on, we would see more. Uh, and my recollection of 50 Shades Darker is that they do go more into the relationship between him and Elena, but it, like, it's okay to have this character that is doing these deeply flawed things. As long as you're able to frame it in a context of, he is not just an abuser. He's an abuser because he was so abused. Right. But every time it's brought up in the book, right. like when she straight up says, hey, she's a child molester and she shouldn't have done that to you. And he's just like, I don't see it that way. Yeah, it's like uh, she saved my... It's a very PTSD kind of look. Um, yeah. And, and for anybody who has not read either of the series, I guess, the the original or the, the new trilogy... um. Elena is his mom's best friend, if not just maybe a close, super close friend, uh, who introduces him to the BDS lifestyle at the age of 15. Um, And at some point he says he's never had vanilla sex. So I guess he also went from like virgin to BDSM and which 
I guess also explains like why he thinks it's okay to do it to Anna. Yeah, right. and, and and like I said, like these these are all like great narrative threads that could have been touched on. Yeah, but they're I they. Think I was gonna say I think they're not a, because they have to make room for the next boring, water. boring sex scene. <laughs> because you definitely don't want to get into, well, he's into BDSM because he was abused. Because I think that's very not how that works. Um, but you well, could say he's and, an abuser because the cycle of abuse is a thing that people have studied. It's a real thing. Right. Um, and I don't think there was enough nuance at all in this book to be able to get into that. Oh, no. And and that's like, I, I'm glad. Very blurred. I'm glad that this, uh, I'm glad that, that I'm kind of glad that this book never actually took these avenues because the writing itself is not up to par to handle them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it like, I feel like this could have been both like, it could have been better erotica or a better story or both. And it's neither. Um, to the point that like every time, like I was, I was starting to not enjoy reading it, but I guess by comparison, enjoy all the parts that weren't people having sex because every time I got to a sex scene, I'm just like, oh, cool. 10 pages of me hearing the same boring words and the same boring actions while he's trying to frame it as a, as a BDSM role play, I guess in this one, which is. You know, w- within his bounds, um, he's still, like, slowly trying to draw her into this. But it's just, like, the writing on it is not fun. It's not entertaining. It's not good, like, at any point. <laughs> yeah, I, watching the second movie last night, I realized, it was like, this is, I actually enjoyed this movie a little bit more than the first one. And then it hit me, there's less sex in this movie. Um, yeah, I think there's, like, two sex scenes in yeah. all of Fifty Shades Darker. And oh, wow. I was like, well, the movie. I don't know about the book. Right, right. Yeah, I have no idea about the book. And also, like, they agree to have a vanilla relationship. I think they need to work on their definition of vanilla. I have no idea if that's how the book is too. <laughs> um, just because you remove punishments doesn't mean that it's vanilla. Like, anyways, that's a conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> I, and I think another podcast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um. But yeah, I agree. The sex scenes, especially closer to the end, I was like, just for the love of God, stop having sex. Do something. I think something. they got more frequent there, too, which was yes. awful. I wanted plot it, development at all, and it was not. Yeah, it's it like, can, like can, can we just can we just finish this day without you, like, giving her a quick bang with a simultaneous orgasm in some area? Like, at some point, it's exhausting to think about the fact that how much sex do they have in two weeks? I actually did not count. That would have been a good idea to count. But the amount of sex they have in two and a half weeks, it's like. Well, it, I, I would say has like to hurt. She has to were, have a UTI. I would, I would oh, say yeah, if you were to definitely. average it out over the days, then like not that much really, because there are several days in a row where they don't see each other at all. Yeah, uh, when she's these in Savannah, weeks. and it's like two days before he's like, "Nope, it's been too long." <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, like, between her leaving the Savannah and when he uh, decides that his business has to do business there so he can business in Savannah and then run into her. Um, (laughs) But also, like, this Saturday or Sunday that he takes her to his red room of pain, and then I don't think he actually sees her again until that Wednesday or Thursday after his commencement speech. Oh, that's right, yes. Well, yes, when you're... 
lose your virginity and then go to the red room of pain, you might need a few days to, you know, like breathe, get some medication <laughs> for that UTI. I should yeah, add Jesus. the, the, my, uh, crazy ex, it's not my, the crazy ex-girlfriend song. Um, that <laughs> yes. is, if you guys the, I that. gave you a UTI. <laughs> Jesus yes. Christ. Oh, I love that song so much. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think UTIs are seriously under-discussed in the culture. I was shocked when I got one, so yes, <laughs> really like everyone it's... needs to talk about this more. Yeah, like, it's not something, um, it is something that should, like, it that normally happens. Like, it's not something that means that there's a problem, and it's never discussed, and... Oh. And, and, I mean, uh, and this is, of course, I'm the worst person to give this advice, being the only dude in this podcast <laughs> right now, but... My understanding is like the best thing that women can do after sex is go pee. Yep. This is like yep. go pee. Yep, yep, yep. Flush and... that. Flush your plumbing. <laughs> yep, that is what He's just like, to great. Do. Go to sleep. Time to and she, lay down. She and literally never, never does again. that. She yeah. immediately falls asleep. She she's actually the uh, the typical dude like stereotype dude in this scenario. Every time they have sex, <laughs> yes. she passes out and passes he goes out? and plays the piano or takes a shower <laughs> or broods. Yes. I also, like, despite the fact that he's a really a crazy stalker, like, she's kind of got a nice thing going, because she only has to give one blowjob, I think the entire book, um, yeah. and she never has to undress herself, and he's basically buying her all these things, and, like, I kind of get where, like, maybe this would seem very nice and comfortable, but then he shows up in Savannah, like, I don't know, that is such a red flag to me, that... Well, and the and the book framing that as as like a total accident that he actually did run into her in Savannah because he shows up and he's like okay I need to just go have a drink before I like figure out what's going on. I need another day and to stalk lo and her behold, before I actually yes. show up though. Well, no, like, <laughs> but he di he did still like before he even touched down in Savannah had reservations for them to go. Uh, yeah. Not nah, whatever oh, yeah. like, gliding in the yeah. morning so. He had oh, planned God. on, like, making a move that night. He just wanted to go have a drink before he made the move. And this is the one time the book is like, okay, well, yeah, him flying to Savannah is stalking her. But he did just genuinely happen to be at the same restaurant as them. <laughs> I, all the plane talk. So I work um, in tangent with airplanes. And all the plane talk made me just so annoyed. It's not necessarily <laughs> wrong, but it is very clearly someone who Googled, like, things. Oh, and, and the number I, of times that she's like uh, putting in the, the author is putting in like call signs and yes. putting a period after every single one. Yes. I'm just like, <laughs> instead of saying, you know, Papa November three niner, it's Papa November three niner. How it goes. <laughs> and also I was very amused. The fact that she, I mean, like this dude has all the money. He is a billionaire if I'm not mistaken. And he owns, now granted, an EC-130 is a nice plane. It is not, like, top of the line. It's not super extravagant. Um, it's like a $4 million plane, or $4 million which, helicopter. Which plane is it? The the helicopter. Charlie Tango. Uh, it's a Eurocopter 130, I think is what he has. I mean, like, even there's a Eurocopter 155 that's, like, I think it's, like, 10 mil. Or something i don't know i just was like you just googled all this you don't know um and it's just one of those things yeah, where I, like i kept meaning to look it up so yeah um where i was just like i'm not a helicopter pilot 
but you could have at least the glider thing. I bet she went up in the air. Someone probably took her up in the air. But then at the same time, like there's a lot of safety things you have to talk about when you get on a glider that are not discussed. He just straps her in with a parachute, but there's no like hit this button if something goes wrong. Oh, absolutely. And that's like I um, about I want to say about like nine or ten years ago, um, we as a Christmas present got uh, flight lessons for my dad because he's something he wanted to do his whole life. And he uh, not unsurprisingly, I come from genuine nerd stock. So he <laughs> found something he was like, he finally got a foot in the door to flying and he went like full blown flying mode. And I would hang out with him while he was doing like, he did the, he had this like 48 DVD set of lessons yeah, uh, that he was going through. And, I wouldn't sit in there for all of them, but I sat in there for a lot of them. Uh, and he, you know, it was one of our, one of the things that we had a great time bonding over. And I remember the first time I went up in a plane with him, like, I knew a lot of the stuff that he was telling me of just like, you need to know X, Y, and Z before I even turn this engine on. Mm-hmm. And this is just you as a passenger in a, this is a little, I actually have a, well, I won't say that, but uh, um, it was a little little Cessna, I want to say like a 172, little four-seater plane that we're yeah. both big guys. So, like, just by weight, only the two of us could be in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's a, it's a I thing. needed to know a lot before we got in there. Yeah, I've uh, got um, five hours under my belt. Nowhere near even soloing because nobody wants me behind a plane, trust me. Um, but it's, it's intense. Like, the checkout process alone is super intense and i'm glad that she kind of focused on that with the helicopter but not i mean there is a point where i've been like okay this is too boring um well yeah and in the helicopter like they say that the the pilot has done all all the external pre-checks i'm like well there's a lot of internal pre-checks you need to do (laughs) yes and like you shouldn't have someone do your external pre-checks for you like i don't know if that's legal actually well I, know I, I would say in this scenario, them. like if you had, like if you had your own pilot on retainer, yeah, true, that you could trust. I feel like that, like that's you know, it's a, a small red flag of like having somebody else do your pre-checks for you. But if you have a pilot that you pay that you trust, like yeah, I get it. Yeah, I don't know. I just he liked his toys and had no interest in getting to know what she was into other than books, <coughs> which right. Maybe she doesn't at some have point, any more interest. Well, at some point, too, they had to backpedal on the fact that at some point he had asked her when she was going to have her period because that was not a conversation they had until he's going to Savannah and he's like, oh, and she mentioned that she would be on her period. Yeah. And they had to oh, like... Oh, yeah. When he accused her of PMSing because she was pissed off at him. Was it that That's time? what it was. That yes. angered yep. so me mad. so much. <laughs> so angry. Oh. Christ. It was so unnecessary. Yes. They were talking about Elena, weren't they? And he's like, are you PMS? He doesn't yes. ask her. Yes. And I was just like, what the fuck? Yes, I think I had to stop it at that point because I was like, she's right. <laughs> and I don't want to agree with her, but she is right. Yeah. Oh, that was so yeah. fun. Yeah, can so we, go ahead. I was going to say, can we talk about Lila? I don't know uh, what that storyline was. Was that in the first book? And, like, it was just tying something together? Or was this, well, like, Li- a new, cool undercurrent? I thought that I thought that Lila was going to be the the uh, the Chekhov's gun that she put in Act 3 to pay off in Act 3. Is that the submissive um, that's missing? 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, she shows up in book two. Yes, okay. she's the Chekhov's gun in okay. book one that pays off in book two. Yeah, I see. Like, I don't think, and I, again, haven't read, but based on the first movie, the only thing that Anna knows is, like, he goes back to Seattle randomly, um, and that's all she knows. So, like, all this backstory, which, by the way, she's totally in his apartment touching him, right? Like, towards the end of the book, the few times he wakes up, he's like, it felt like someone had just ran their fingers through my hair. It's like, yeah, yeah. she's oh, yeah. totally she, there. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely, like, the, the fucking Phantom of the Opera in his apartment. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. That, I, mean, I, I don't know that for sure. I'd love to see that play out. But I, I guarantee you that if we read the second book, we'll never hear about it. <laughs> yeah, I am curious. I know she shows up in the second book. And based on the movie, it's a very disappointing scene. Like... Nothing oh, yeah. really Do, do we want to spoil it? Because I've, I'm pretty sure I remember what happens from the movie. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, go for it. It's, uh, like, as far as I know, and this is, I mean, I remember this from several months ago, it's when Christian and Anna are at his apartment, and she shows up with a gun pointed at Christian, uh, or I think she's pointing it at Anna, and she wants to, like, murder him so that, or murder her so that she could be the submissive again. Yeah. And he just, like, calls on his dom superpowers, and is like, Put the gun down. (laughs) Yes, master. And that's the end of it. Cool. Great job. Great problem you put in here. That's pretty much it. That's exactly how it goes down. Um, And yeah, it's a non-problem. And in the movie, I think they, her husband has actually died. Like there are little things that are changed in the movie. And I was like, cool. Someone else went, this is a ridiculous storyline. Can we make it better? Um, Cause yeah, her husband is, Apparently, like, a Vegas wedding that... Drunk wedding that... Yeah, I don't know. They're, she left him, like, weeks ago. And the fact that he's sitting there, like, what caused all this? Your picture was in the fucking paper with a woman. It's never happened before. Like, come on. The <laughs> clues are not that hard. <laughs> Would you say he had all the clues? <laughs> he had all the clues, Mr. Policeman. Mr. CEO. <laughs> Oh. You could have stopped me. I gave you all the clues. Oh, gosh. I now need that line to be in the second book. It won't be, but it needs to be. <laughs> have either of you seen that movie? No. Uh, no. I probably won't, unless it just happens to be on HBO and I'm really that bored. I, uh, Liz and I went and saw it, and it is as much of a clusterfuck as, as it's being said that it is. It is... Amazing <laughs> and so awful, and Val Kilmer just—I cannot tell if that's how he looks now or if he—they made him just look really bad for the movie. Uh, Val Kilmer <laughs> has not aged super well. He's like—he's no. a really talented actor, and I, I love the guy, but he's not like—he has gotten heavy and like—I mean, he's—he's he's pretty old at this point too. He's like—I want to say he's like late fifties or early sixties. I could yeah, be wrong. Like, he's having trouble with his jaw in the movie, like. It's not opening completely, which is unfortunate. I, I too, I, 80s Val Kilmer is just like one of my favorite things. Oh, absolutely. He was a, he was a, a, an Adonis of a man. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like because you have what the, you have kind of the three, the three big 80s heartthrobs were Val Kilmer, Tom Cruise and James Spader. Yep. And they all went like wildly different directions in their careers. <laughs> yes. Um, I feel like James Spader was the was the happy medium where he stayed up uh, like physically he like he turned from a heartthrob into like a weird 
chubby old guy, but <laughs> his talent only grew because of it. Is that yeah. he didn't he didn't have to play pretty boys anymore. He could be villains or more interesting characters, which suits him so perfectly. Oh, I, I love James Spader. I yes. love that guy. His acting only gets better in everything I see him in. I watched The Blacklist much longer than I should have because of him. I still want to go back and watch more of it because I love how good he is in it. Same. I think the twist <laughs> has finally come out, so now that that's happened, I might go and actually watch it. Oh, uh, well, don't tell me. No, no. <laughs> I don't want to know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I, like, sat down and tried to read it and was like, nope, this is too convoluted, but I think it is officially, like, out. So... So I, I think one of the one of the other things I wanted to touch on from my notes here... Um, so we all know what Anna smells like. Do apples smell like anything? Apples. She smells like apples in fall. Yes, Uh, but no. It's not a distinctive smell. Well, according to Christian Grey, several times throughout the book, she smells like apples in fall. Yes. Um, and they do, like, I guess because they were trying to pull in, like, once he was adopted, there was a lot of issues between him and Elliot when they were younger. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of that had to do with an apple orchard. And it really felt right. like they were, like, propping this up as a good parallel. Like, there's even one of his nightmares where he starts getting pelted with apples. And this is part of the reason he can't be touched anymore. Yeah. But right. But it also goes nowhere. Like, I, I wrote that down in my notes before I realized that nothing in this book would go anywhere. Yeah, um, it, it doesn't go anywhere. Neither does the whole, like why he can't be touched i mean i'm assuming it's got something to do with the burn marks but oh yeah i mean like his his um stepfather or his you know biological mother's i guess at this point pimp is probably the the most correct answer for that well i know he Uh, burned him but it's like well and I, i think that goes i think that gets delved into more in the second book or movie or whatever i think they talk about that a little more there is a lipstick scene in the second one where he outlines where he cannot be touched. Um, oh, but okay. I, I think the biggest <laughs> failing of this story is that I like, I, I looked into a little bit of the history of it last night and yes, it, it absolutely is twilight fan fiction that was yes. written in its entirety as three volumes. Um, at which point, uh, there were, I guess she got some, not some DMCA takedowns, but just some takedowns of people going like, Hey, um, like this is nothing from Stephanie Myers. Like Stephanie Myers was just like, oh, that's fine. She can do it because it was like the world's most popular fanfic. Right. And Stephanie Myers was like, that's fine. She can do her thing. Um, so it wasn't like DMCA takedowns, but she like things started getting taken down off various websites. So, so she took it down in its entirety and changed the character names to Anna Steele and, and Christian Grey and, uh, put up her own website, which I think is like 50 shades.com where she like started publishing the story, but behind a paywall and then like took a lot of that down for the final rewrites and published all like put up all three volumes as a, uh, ebook or print on demand. Oops. Yeah. Before she got picked up by a publisher. Um, I think the biggest failing of this story is that it's one story told over three books Instead of three books that tell one story. I agree. Because this feels just like an introduction. Yeah. But they don't... Yeah. I can only assume that these things get resolved eventually. Maybe I'll be very disappointed. If I Um, ever find out more. I don't know. (laughs) Well, then we're definitely going to have to have you guys back to read the second one. Just so we can figure out what happens. 
Can, uh, like, and I know, I know we had a long lead time between me actually agreeing to do this and us doing this. <laughs> um, I say we have a much longer lead time for the next one because even still, actually, the the moment that it became real for me is when I was listening to your last episode and I heard, and next week we're going to have <laughs> Ryan. I was like, oh shit, I gotta finish this book. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know, like. There are a lot of things dropped, like the whole Detroit thing. I mean, I'm assuming he's from Detroit. That was very um, strange. I feel like a yeah, three-year-old doesn't have enough context for that. I don't know. He yeah. Kinda, yeah, he kind of mentions that's like where he's like where he lived when he was a kid, and so he really doesn't want to go there. But also, like, why would they have taken them from Detroit to Seattle? Because unless like the Grays moved from Detroit, I don't know. It's it's. I'm assuming maybe it gets resolved at some point because, like, Detroit better have like as much as Detroit is talked about, and the fact that they cannot get this business deal away from Detroit, like, it better have an actual climatic need. Um, like oh, yeah. going to Detroit, to go to going Detroit, to call maybe or. Yeah. Oh, and that's and uh, the only thing I can think of is is something from the from the second movie. Just as another example of how that'll probably never be paid off is that I remember in the second movie, and again, spoilers here for anybody who cares, uh, he's in a helicopter crash. Christian Grey's in a helicopter crash. Yeah. And like everybody's freaking out and Anna is there with uh, his mother and they're like, we don't know what happened. And then he just like comes in the door and everything's fine. Yeah, we were like, that was four minutes, four (laughs) minutes between crash and he's fine. There is no buildup. And also, like, he didn't didn't call anybody. He didn't, like, he just shows up in the room that they're in. Fucking door. Oh, that made me so Did he ever give warning in this book that would make you expect him to call ahead, though? Because, you know. That's true. He does just kind of barge into places. No, but but he also, like, he only barges into places when people end the conversation with him. He's more than, like, there's so many instances of him saying, like, okay, the conversation is over. And then... Yeah. And it will say something back to him. He's like, okay, blah, 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 but now it's over. And it will say something back to him. Like, okay, but blah, blah, Like, no, you just want to have the last word, dude. Yes. yes. He is a control freak. I don't like... I, I don't know how much of his backstory is in the original. Um, and I really, really hope that she never intended to make him be into BDSM because of the abuse. Like, I really hope that's right. not it because that is such a bad light to put on that well Easy. i the the only way i can think of framing it is that like she because she was writing humans as amalgams for the uh for the vampires and werewolves and so she needed him to be both a supernatural being and also a monster like a supernatural being with a dark side so his supernatural side is his like billionaire playboy controlling bdsm personality but his dark side is this history of abuse and he's just like you can't ever love me anna i'm damaged i gotta Um, admit i think i read the first chapter of this fanfic a long time ago (laughs) because i read the twilight series all the way through i liked the first two because i was young and naive and by the time the fourth one came out which is 700 pages of nothing happening um i was done but I did look at some fanfic, and I do remember a BDSM and him working in an office. And I read the first chapter and was like, nope, this writing's really bad. 
So now I'm really curious if that was it, but then again, vampires BDSM kind of always go together. So <laughs> maybe not. Um, I don't know. I just it is unfortunate for me to say that this is not the worst book I've read this year. Um, well, the 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 last scene I want to I kind of wanted to bring up is the one that made me the angriest, and I kind of highlighted this here. Sure. So um, let me. I didn't realize that I actually had my Kindle within reach, so let me pull this up. Let me get out of this much better book that I'm reading and go back to the other book. <laughs> oh. um, this may take a second, so I should have probably pulled this up before I That's brought okay. it up. <laughs> um, I think we all separately searched to see how many different times words were said. Oh, um, yes. Which I think, yes. at least for me, comes from the fact that one of my favorite Goodreads summaries is of the original trilogy and like how many times the word intergoddess is said. Um, or moans or groans and things so uh, what did you guys look up so the first um, one I looked I'll, up I'll go first was oh, okay oh, okay go yeah ahead. yeah go ahead <laughs> well I was gonna say because mine are mine are the most vulgar ones I think <laughs> so I'll, I'll go with this um, um so the first one that struck me because in in chapter one he's already droning on about it is the word cock uh <laughs> I think the word cock is said three or four times in the first chapter alone, but it's a total of 42 times throughout the book. Uh, dick is a, is a much smaller 11, and then vagina is exactly six. Uh, but the, the big winner of the book is the word uh, fuck or iterations thereof. So fuck, fucking, like fucked, uh, which is a, a total of 302 times. That's insane. Wow. Like that's this book is probably around eighty thousand words, and that three hundred. Oh, it's, it's I I don't know about this one. I know the original ones were around one hundred and fifty thousand words. Oh my gosh! Because so, I was trying to find the word count for this one, and I could not. Uh, but yeah, go ahead with the other ones because I want to hear them. I know we talked about them beforehand, but I want to hear what the actual totals were. Yeah, go ahead, Vicky. What did you look up? Well, so the first one I looked up was really early on. He kept saying the persistent Miss Kavanaugh and I was like how many like you need to buy a thesaurus <laughs> so I learned that he says he calls her persistent twice and tenacious twice and those are the only adjectives he uses to describe her um, <laughs> then after that I searched for game on because he is so business and everything is a business game to him game on is used three but he refers to their experience together as a game 12 times and he oh says God. or rather the word baby is used 122 times. Oh, Jesus Christ. And it was <laughs> um, so bad every time, except for I got one genuine laugh in this book. And that's the first time after hearing Elliot, his brother, say it to uh, Kate is um, the later's right. baby. It yes. was really it, like I genuinely chuckled the first time. Like, oh, I, I've done that. I've definitely like heard my friend or my brother say something super lame and then turn to my girlfriend or my date and say that to like make her laugh. <laughs> oh yeah definitely it was so sarcastic and it made him have some personality that didn't always come through in the rest of the book and i liked it and i liked that yeah. he was able to tease his oh. brother and i thought that was good yeah but and the, rest the book was... uses that as its only joke throughout the book so it's right. there throughout yeah i am really curious as to um elliot and mia's um past because everybody's adopted um I, I thought Mia was biological. I thought he and Elliot oh, were she? adopted and Mia was biological. I'm, I, but I'm totally unclear on that. Um, I thought at one point they said all three, but you know what? 
now that you say that no. there might have been a point that they said that she is because she's I think the, yeah i think the first time they say all three are adopted and then later on in the book it says that me is biological but yeah <laughs> that's I mean, I this book for you baby but yeah i don't know yeah yeah does he not talk until mia like it seems to be implied that he does not speak until they put mia in his arms yeah that was that was a really like under underwhelming moment that they were trying to underline but instead like i almost forgot about until it happened of like oh wait was that the first thing he said but they never clarify whether or not it is or how old he is because they say that he's 12 before he actually speaks to his parents yeah um and he's adopted at four so right i don't know it's Apparently, he was a very difficult child, as most children are. Um, the ones I looked up were Oh Baby, which was 22 times. Um, her Sex, which to me seemed to happen quite frequently. Apparently, it's only used four times. Um, and Later's Baby is used ten times. Um, apparently, I just really thought they were all used more because they are ridiculously bad. Because it feels gross every time it happens. Yes. <laughs> Except yes. for the later's baby, which is funny once or twice, and then it's just like, oh, this is their little in-joke, but I'm no longer laughing at it. Yeah, like, I get it. People do cute things. Um, yeah, if I was in the couple, I'd be fine with it, but like, it's but that... I do when not you... need to hear about their cute thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. When, when you're hanging out with two people that are dating, and they they keep using their own little in-joke, it's like, oh, okay. Oh, see, I was equating it to it's eight o'clock in the morning on the subway and that couple is being too cute. Please stop. Like, nobody (laughs) wants to see that shit. Except, like, they're not being that cute. They think they're being cute, but they're not being that cute. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So did you figure out what passage you were looking for? Yes, I got to it. And I realized that highlighting is different from noting on the Kindle. So I had to actually find the chapter to figure out where I highlighted it. Because I don't ever use these features, but... um, so this is, uh, let's see if I can get the exact chapter here. I don't know. This is the chapter where, uh, this is after he, you know, does the big spank that makes her scared and wants to go away. Um, and that's uh, like, that's basically how the book frames it is that this is the big spank. He does six spanks and they're too much. Um, <clears throat> For the record, I think it's the fact that he she sees he's taking pleasure that's the problem, not the actual spanking. But yes, it is very oh, underwhelming. And yeah, like, I like incredibly that, underwhelming. That's what happens, but the book doesn't ever tell you that. No, you have to read the first original one to to understand that. Yes, because she doesn't even really communicate it that well. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, no. But so after this, he gets the phone call from his private eye. Like, in, in the middle of this fight, he gets the phone call from his private eye, who's telling him that, that uh, Layla, I think her name is, yeah, Layla's husband wants, whatever, $2,000 to give him info on on her, and, which, like, he balks at. Never mind, he, he like, hired a private OBGYN that probably cost him, I don't know, probably seven or $8,000 for a home yeah. visit, just mm-hmm. to, like, like... $2,000 seems the smallest amount of money he spends on anything in this book, and it, but it really makes him mad. Yes. And then Anna comes down, and she's, she's dressed and packed and ready to leave now, and she says, I want the money from the car you stole from me and had your assistant sell. 
Uh, she's nicer about it than that, but she's just like. But that is essentially what happens. Yes. Um. Uh, I don't know how far back this goes. Yeah, she's. Just, I, I need the money that Taylor got from my Beetle Taylor as his personal assistant. Um, and she's like, Christian, I don't want to fight. I just need that money. And his internal dialogue, money. It always comes down to the fucking money. No, dude, this comes down to the property that you stole from her yes. <laughs> and right. sold without her consent. You did a criminal crime. She just wants recompense. <laughs> yes. Like, she makes it very clear that she doesn't necessarily want all these gifts. Um, God, yeah, he's a tool. Such a tool. And then, and but she then, also like, makes it entirely and... clear that it was a valuable car that actually worked better than he thought it did. And he was like, no, 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 I'm a man I know. I know oh, cars. Yeah. Please. Taylor got $12,000 for that car, which means it was probably an original, like, vintage yeah. VW Beetle. Yeah. Uh, that was, like, those things, when minorly taken care of, do really well for a very long time. <laughs> and to get $12,000 for an old used car means that was a very good car. Yeah, the, the fact that, I watched the movie before finishing the book. And so he was talking about, like, the $24,000 for the car. And I was like, I don't buy that. I still don't know if I buy the twelve grand. But I don't even buy the twelve grand, no. But, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> unless like, they, like, I sold agree. it to a collector. Yeah. Um, I mean, he is Taylor. He could do no wrong. But he, um, he gets mad about the money and then immediately gives her twice as much money. Yeah, that was weird. Um, it was almost uh, like hush yeah. money at that point. It's it's always about the fucking money. In my anger, I double the amount that Taylor got for the death trap and stuff the check into an envelope. Like, I'm so mad about this money. Take more of it. Um, yeah, it was. And, and then the anger is completely gone once he looks at her again. And God, so well, ridiculous. But but like, and just after this, she's like, she wants to get herself home. She doesn't want his assistant or anything to take him home, and she's insisting like, I want Taylor to take you home. Uh, and so, you know, you know, uh, she's saying like, he'll take you home. That's fine. I can get home myself. Thank you. And in his head, he's no, accept the ride. Anna, why does she do this? And then out loud, are you going to defy me at every turn? And she says, why change the habit of a lifetime? Anna, I love you, but it's been two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, that is hardly a lifetime. It's got to be the first serious relationship for her. Well, and they, they do imply that, that this is, like, because she's had, you know, she's dated, but she's never gone all the way with a guy. So I feel like for, on a first date with this guy, she is like, I want you to make love to me. I mean, she probably has some pretty intense feelings for him, and she's never felt that way about another person, is the thing you could imply. I guess, because, like, I don't know, if you have, she's, what, 22? If you were 22 and still a virgin, like... No shame being thrown here, but like by that point, I don't know. I feel like either you're going the path of I'm going to sleep with the first person because this has officially gotten ridiculous, or like it's something that either you're so afraid of, or it's some kind of anxiety problem, or like I don't know. Like she's not. There's no implication this, that she's religious. Yeah, in, so, in this book, it's neither. Like the most they hint to is that like. She's much prettier than she realizes. Right. And that's the only thing that's been holding her back. And like... Which like, okay, fine, but... You know, that's fine, but I know a lot of people who are... Who think they're prettier than they are, or who are way prettier than they realize. And both of them had like... 
pretty good dating wives in high yeah. school and college. Like, it's just, it's, I don't know, it, it, the, the way she quickly jumps into bed with him is very off-putting from the standpoint of, like, you're 22, you haven't given it up, and you're going to give it up on a first date. Yeah, it, just, it like, and it, again, to the, like, like, throwing no shade here, but for her to, like, jump into that means that there was no reason that she hadn't had sex yet, except for that the author wanted Christian to take her virginity. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is... <sighs> I, I did not Don't... like that fixation. It was so creepy. Mm. Yeah, it, and it the, is. And, like, your virginity belongs to me. Your body belongs to me. Your I'm sex belongs to me. you've ever been with. And we're going to keep it that way. Every, you're mine now. Every forever? orgasm you has belongs to me. Like, cool, it's great that you need to make them a monster, but this is gross. Yeah, and, like, spoilers, they get married in the third book or at the end of the second. I don't know which one it is. Um, I don't, so don't like, want to say that it's she's... gross because... I know that there are like that's is kind of some like some people in the BDSM lifestyle are are that way as doms like you know when you're when you're in that consensual yeah that's relationship the thing, is that it's, it's um, it is really quote unquote scenes like you have to come out of that mindset and and Christian like lives in that mindset which is not healthy no um he, when the he's first... already thinking of her as his sub when she walks out of his office at the at the yes. first chapter of the book yes. like oh she belongs to me like i would almost go to say sex addict but oh that's the other thing it's been two months since his last submissive dude okay like you hit dry spells you need to like the amount of that you're thinking about sex like i am expecting that you're like it's been years but no it's been two months <laughs> Yeah, if, if that's his dry spell, I'm in the fucking Dead Sea. Yeah, like, here where I'm just like, okay, um, let me count back. Yeah, it's been longer, and, like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I had a lot of angry ranting. Um, when this first, when this book came out, um, well, I guess when the movie came out, the everybody was all about the super controversial tampon scene, um, which... I guess might be a bigger deal than the original. It to me this was like a nothing scene. Like the only thing that made me upset about that scene is that he threw it in the toilet. Um Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't you and don't flush tampons great. down the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I guess they that's... needed to put a sign in that room. You know, <laughs> they probably did not put toilet paper in this toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not flush feminine products down this toilet. Um they don't put those in the uh, in the high end suites at hotels. They Apparently not, because right they now. assume that you're going to be okay. <laughs> no um, toilet. But yeah, like I want to, I want to go back and look at what the big controversy was about that because, like, the the only thing I can think of is that like it's a guy interacting with a woman's menstruation, and how dare somebody talk yeah. about that? Yes, again, Rachel Bloom's song stuck in my head is now period sucks. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, every every relationship I've ever been in, like I've had adult conversations with yeah. my partners about their menstruation, and it's never like icked me out. It's something that humans do. I, like I can understand the first time it comes up being like, "Nope, this is weird," and so like maybe from her point of view, it is very weird. Um, and of it course, we're like going to put this in a movie, like. I don't know. It seemed like one of those things where you could be like, are you comfortable with this? Yes, and at no point does he thing? ask her that. And no, no. Also, he just I would not he, someone... quote, rips it out, which is Yeah, I was going to say, I, I would not want someone <laughs> pulling out my tampon. 
Oh, oh my no. god. Ow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I guess like I didn't I didn't think of that aspect, but really I'm still just very very upset <laughs> that he threw it in the toilet. <laughs> um. I worked at a lot of places where I had to clean the bathrooms, and yep. like that shit doesn't fly with me. <laughs> nope. I worked at a movie theater for several years. I, I, I get, yeah. Please, um, this is this has been our long form PSA to say, please, people, only flush toilet paper and human waste <laughs> down the toilet. Agreed. Or animal waste, like if your dog poops on the floor, you can wrap it in toilet paper, throw it in the toilet. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> That's very um, generous of you. And if you if you feel the need to throw up, you could do that in the toilet as well. But well, I, I I have a cat that like when she gets mad at the litter box, she very <laughs> generously poops in the tub, so it's like it's oh, easy nice. to clean. She poops in the easiest to clean place. It's always in the tub. Nice. Uh, so it's just easy to like grab some toilet paper, boom in the toilet, all gone, <laughs> and then scrub the tub. <laughs> Yeah, I was, uh, as we got closer to that scene, I was like, oh, this is the scene that everybody was talking about. And I was, I don't know what I was expecting. Like. Yeah, and he, he just, he pulls out her tampon, throws then, it in the worst place imaginable, and then has period sex with her. Oh, and he's like, are you on your pill? You don't take your pill while you're on your period. Yeah. Then you, you take well, the sugar is, pill, <laughs> you take the placebo. This is her, this is her first, after. um. Well, and this is her, her first ever form of birth control too yes which, which i oh don't i don't know if this are... is just my experience but i also don't know anybody who made it to the age of 22 whether they were sexually active or not who wasn't on usually the pill just for like general like hormone control reasons but yeah. i also know a lot of like a lot of people with medical issues that require various forms of things that are also birth control yeah you uh, yeah. second PSA of the episode. You can get pregnant while on your period. Like it is rare, but it is possible. So, morning after pill is a thing. You can get it over the counter these days. Um, also, like I don't know, just everything about him is so weird. I, and the big PSA of the episode: when somebody says no, or stay away, or don't talk to me. Listen. You'll Listen to when them. You show up at their door, right? That's when you come in and you're like, I have to see yeah. them right now. That's uh, what I learned. The first thing you shouldn't do <laughs> is get your uh, very expensive private investigator to geolocate their cell phone. Oh, God. I and then that. go to the bar where they're at and take them because they've been drinking and get lecture them about drinking. And then every time you hang out with them, ply them with alcohol to make sure that they can talk to you. Yes. Yes. This is a very bad book, and Christian Grey is a very, very bad human being. And I feel like, I feel like this book could have done a lot better at at highlighting his bad behavior yes. as a result, or not a result, but like as as an offshoot of his own PTSD and his own uh, being both physically and well, physically, mentally, and sexually abused as a child. Mm-hmm. 15 year old people are children oh god um, yes Roy Moore 14 year olds are children but the this this author and this series doesn't have the skill or nuance to tie those themes together and make them into something that is a, a, a good introspective look at it it just wants to take the cheap shortcuts to 
how do I make a dark brooding guy who loves to tie women up and have sex with them? Which, and, like, she clearly doesn't do, right? Like, we can all agree that her sex life is not this exciting. Uh, E.L. James? Yeah. Uh, she probably, like, watches some videos on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, so. I, I, I would venture so far as to say she's had, like... I, actually, no. It's gross for me to speculate on her sex life. I won't. But I don't feel like she's experienced in the community. No, definitely not. I'm wondering, actually, now I'm looking up to see if they... I know the word aftercare is used once, but, like, the fact that it's so discarded, definitely, obviously, she has no... It is It is just as, if not more important than the actual play. Yes. Like, and, and I mean, and we're talking about video assembly where, like... As... It's so skewed. It's like... Oh, right. I didn't aftercare. I'm just going to like drive back and show up at her door again now cuz aftercare. Yeah, yeah I, I have to come here now. Aftercare is ibuprofen for him. Yeah. And where like reality is like this this is a scenario where like I know people that have like their sub they will be locked in a cage throughout the day and then only let out to use the bathroom or to feed their their dom. And it's like it's a super degrading scenario, but like, the whole next day is aftercare, where, like, that dom is waiting hand and foot on their sub just yeah. to make sure they understand, like, I love you. I love that you want to take care of me this way, and I'm going to be here for you and listen to you. Uh, and it, aftercare is much more emotional than it is physical. Right. Yeah, it's definitely not, like, <clears throat> it, it, it. you're coming out of this headspace, like, the adrenaline mixed with the emotions and, like... Yeah, if you go the degrading route, I mean, being reminded that you're not a piece of shit, you know? Like, I don't know. It just, the 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 aftercare, or the moment that he's like, um, that he left and then came back, was more like, oh, that's right, she graduated today, and I guess she probably wanted me to stay. And it was like, no, you just spanked her for the first time. Like, exactly what's going through her mind is stuff that is genuinely legit, like, She's never had sex and she just got spanked, which in her mind is something that like shouldn't turn her on, but it kind of is. And that is uncomfortable. And aftercare is only used once in this entire fucking book. I mean, not to mention that that was her day. She had just succeeded at graduating and he completely took that away from her. Even the dress she wore was for his eyes only or something. Yes. It completely diminished the accomplishment that she had which is really frustrating uh, basically. Well, and, and that was my other note in here and like i would love to go back and reread what well, i would <laughs> love but in the context of if i wanted to find out more i would go back and reread the actual original trilogy because it just feels genuinely like anna has no agency whatsoever in these stories yeah and I don't know if that's a failing of this book at being the uh, fourth in a series, essentially, that like where we should at this point be presumed to know her point of view and her standing. But he like any sense of agency that she can derive, he's constantly removing from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she's not allowed to make any choices, despite being told that as a sub, she makes all the decisions and all the power is hers. Right. He takes away her power at every chance he gets. Right. And it is, I mean, like, the submissive is the more powerful one. Like, he says this repeatedly, and it is a very true thing, but, like, 
she's so terrified of offending him or like what's going to happen if she upsets him. Oh, it just makes me angry. Do you think the contract is in both books? Do you think people uh, that have read all four of these have read this stupid contract twice? I think so. <laughs> um, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be. Also, I mean, yeah, the entire I, email I th- exchange. I, I was scared perfect. that it wouldn't be in this book because uh, he talked so many times about having the whole thing committed to memory. Yeah. That I was scared that they wouldn't actually show me the contract, so I wouldn't be able to like yeah, take anything away from it. Especially if it was, you know, in the first book. It it had no reason to be in this book. As people who are reading only this book, like, thank you, I guess. Um, <laughs> just as someone who reads contracts on a fairly regular basis, like a, a yes, her point of like this is not legally binding is true, but B, it's not even a good contract. No, it was like really badly written, and then like when they started having their email exchange over it, like, well, we need to talk about fifteen dot two dot seven dot eight dot nine. I'm like, I am not fucking going back and looking at what those are. Such a mess. I actually texted a friend of mine and was like, you like contracts. Uh, You should read this book. And he was like, please stop. Leave me alone. (laughs) Oh, and I was like, you Um, like corresponding through emails? You should read that. He's like, I will actually block your number. Please stop. (laughs) But like really genuinely the highlight of this, of the interactions between Anna and Christian are their emails i feel like they were genuinely funny and flirty and have a good relationship going on through their emails mostly on the side of anna occasionally on the side of christian and as somebody who was reading the book and didn't have to hear every line spoken aloud (laughs) i kind of enjoyed the playing around with both the email subjects and uh ceo's or the uh, christian gray's signature yeah like ceo and cad christian gray yeah, um, I like their emails, except from the standpoint of, like, it's 2011, and because there's a scene where, like, I think he goes and finds her and is basically like, just email me. You apparently have trouble talking to me. Just email me. And I was like, well, this was completely fucking pointless. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like, and I, I, I will say I have been in a scenario where I need, like, I was, you know, at a kind of rocky point, uh, kind of early on in a relationship not like five minutes in but like kind of early on where we were having some like early issues and i was genuinely a place like i want to tell you what i think about this but honestly if i try to tell you out loud i'm going to say it wrong or not say it quite right and i don't know if you understand me and yeah. i was like if you if you let me write this down i will be able to tell it to you better and she, but in that scenario, I literally walked away and pulled out my phone and typed up my thoughts on my phone and went back and edited it and re-edited it until I had the words that I intended to say. And granted, that relationship didn't last very long. If I'm doing that, like, you know, two weeks in of saying, like, hmm, <laughs> clearly I can't communicate to you very well, so I need to like, pull this pull away and do this. But, um, like, I, I, I <clears throat> it's not a... Uh, unthinkable tactic at least as far as i go right um yeah especially since they're in a slightly long distance relationship i thought that it made a lot of sense that they would just be long distance that he's going to try to do business and buy whatever businesses that are around her or where she is or where she's going on vacation or where she wants to work (laughs) 
oh darn, he'll have to take his helicopter, Charlie Tango. And God. go stalk her. Good old school. Charlie Tango. I think Charlie Tango is the best character in this book, by the way. I concur. <laughs> There's a balloon of him. Of course it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I forgot about He's the got his own balloon. The balloon was great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I can't. <laughs> the flowers, the balloons. I'm very curious how long um, his PA has been working for him. Um, however long it is, if she's not making at least like 500 grand a year, she is not being paid enough. Well, his work PA should be making at least five grand. His personal actual home PA, Taylor, he should be making a couple mil a year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think his house cleaner cleans that room? I think definitely. Yeah. Because he doesn't do it Yeah, she's got it. Because he actually... he has her take sheets up to it, like put new sheets up in there. That's so gross. Oh, yeah, because at one point he's like, go put satin sheets on the bed in the red room. And I was like, no, stop <laughs> this. I mean, he doesn't even yeah, do his own. It is, um, like, he doesn't oh, God, wash a glass in his house. There's no way he cleans his own red room. It's it's kind of an affront to his own personality when he um, cooks food. I can't believe I'm cooking food for somebody. Another first with Anastasia. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. All the firsts with her. Um, So, yeah, let's start wrapping this up. So, um, what... Oh, what drink does this book make you think of? What book... What is a good drink for this book? So, I have two answers for this that are kind of (laughs) serious. And then several that are not... Um, the first one I think that would be very symbolic and great for this book is the, uh, the 1999 vintage Bollinger. (laughs) Yep. Uh, quote, because it's pink and symbolic. Um, as for me, what got me through this book was large amounts of Evan Williams and Coke. Nice. Nice. Uh, but um, I think the ideal drink for this book is anything that will make you forget to read this book or forget that you have read this book. Um, I agree with that. I, uh... But if you are the kind of person who enjoys really poorly written erotica, I think like a bottle of of champagne and like spring for that twelve percent or fourteen percent champagne. <laughs> chill, like get it on ice. Don't put ice in it, but chill it. Oh, yeah. Drink it, drink it in a lukewarm bathtub with like three shitty tea candles around you, and that's the perfect <laughs> environment for it. And do not spend more than twenty dollars on that bottle of champagne. So when I went to watch the movie, uh, the only alcohol I had in my apartment um, was wine, which I don't drink. I keep it for guests, and vanilla, or not vanilla, whipped cream vodka, which I bought on accident once, um, which is the most disgusting thing on the planet. If you've never had it, it is so gross. Can I tell you how to fix it? Um, I have tried it with so many different things. I don't know why I haven't just thrown it out. Um, orange juice. Wait, what? Orange juice. Oh. Do you remember uh, orange uh, creamsicles? Actually, that's a good idea. I have not tried it that way yet. If you remember the the old like orange creamsicle popsicles, okay. Orange juice and whipped cream vodka is is I bartended for years. Sorry. That is actually really <laughs> smart. Um, it's uh it's really really good and tastes exactly like an orange creamsicle. Oh, thank God! Now I can get rid of it. Um, but my friend. <laughs> As I was like, God damn, the only alcohol I have in my apartment is this whipped cream vodka. And he was like, that's pretty much the definition of this book. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's whipped cream vodka. <laughs> because it should taste good, and it's not. Um, so, yes, shout out to Joe for that. Um, so, what are you guys going to be reading next that's not the book for the podcast? Um, I what are you reading have, currently, I guess? Well, yeah, yeah, I already jumped back into the book that I had only just started before I had to stop and read this book. Which I am in. A, I'm I'm reading uh, Year of the Flood by uh, Margaret Atwood, oh, which nice. is the second book of the Mad Adam trilogy. Very nice. I'm I inspired by inspired partly actually by you, Meg, and a couple of other friends. I have decided to kind of take a breather from authors who are white guys. Oh, very cool. Nice. Um, which was great for this book because this is a woman author and I was like, oh, cool. Well, I can at least read this book even though it's trash garbage and still be holding to this ideal. Uh, but so far, this is the second Margaret Atwood book that I've read. And I actually also just recently watched The Handmaid's Tale and I realized that like I need to read a lot more Margaret Atwood because she is very good. She is. She is definitely uh, should be on everybody's list. I have not watched the Hulu series yet, um, mostly because I've never it's... finished the book. But I've also it's heard, hard to yeah. watch because it's like, ooh, it's, this is way closer to something that could happen than I'm ever going yeah. to be comfortable with. I just been That's why I haven't crazy seen it ex-girlfriend. either. Yeah. I just binged Crazy Ex-Girlfriend um, and actually ended up in a bit of a downward spiral because I binged all the way up to uh, last week's episode. And I've now seen ooh. this week's too. Um which is not something you should do. Oh. So what is the what is the current season of the show? It's in season four. It's in season three. three. Season three. Okay, I didn't finish season two, but I will. And yeah. I absolutely love Rachel Bloom. I became a fan She's of hers amazing. just before Crazy Ex Girlfriend aired because she was she visited my hall on and press tours before the show aired. The nicest person ever. She was so great. She bought a soda from my soda machine. It was the highlight of my life. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Well, and I like the the first thing I was introduced to her. I think she was on uh, Ask Me Another. Oh yeah, which is you know the the NPR podcast and show that's taped right here in Brooklyn, New York, at the Bell House. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah, they it do is. it at the Bell House, and I still have yet to go to one of them, and I really, really want to. We should totally do um, that. We, yeah, I we went shall to one. do it. It was great. <laughs> I would definitely go again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she she in one of their extended unedited released you know because they will occasionally release like for the podcast version they'll release uh extended interviews that are not safe for the radio oh yeah and they talked about the thing that kind of like put her on the internet map which is her video uh fuck me ray bradbury yes i love that video it was like i stopped that interview to go and watch that video and i was like "Mm, i think i found my new favorite internet person (laughs) yeah 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 that show um do not binge the third season. And this is also why I haven't watched any of uh, Handmaid Itself because, like, there's only so much deep and hard media that I can take right now, and I know I do not have the capacity for Handmaid Itself. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and she does a great job at, like, Rachel Boone does a great job at, de- at depicting, like, different sexualities with just going, like, people are this way. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. also dealing with mental illness and obsession and all these things of saying like yeah these are clearly unhealthy things but people have them and they have to deal with them yep. and stigmatizing them for that is never going to help them 
No, the point where you realize that she is maybe not the nice, great person that you think she is. It's a very dark turn. Oh, she's a very, like, like, it's clear from episode, like, three that she is pretty deeply troubled. Yes. Um, yeah, you need to catch up. It spirals down. Very much more than. Oh, that. I, like, and I, I'm most. Yeah, I'm most of the way through season two, yeah. and it's like it's already spiraled pretty fucking far. Yeah, um, very Buckle upset up. when Greg left. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, it's. I have to uh, say, well, I almost did not, because I binged it, and last week's episode was so rough that I almost was like, nope, I'm done. I tried this. This is too much for me. I am so glad I watched this week's episode. Um, oh, good. I haven't seen it yet. I've been is, so anxious. Okay, that's such it a relief. Is, it is. I still cried a lot. If you well, and, cry at TV shows, like I always cry at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I bawled the entire episode. I, so I, I did want to say, like, one of the there's a, a a small twist. Like, it's big for the story, but not that big of a, a thing that happens in season two. So spoilers for that. Skip ahead thirty seconds. Yeah. But, um, Greg quitting drinking. Yeah. Was like. Yeah. A, it was such a small. Like it was so like. For, he tried to underplay it as much as he could, but that's a huge thing in that show of him going like, I make bad choices for myself, and probably a lot of that has to do with because every time I'm making choices, I'm drinking. Yeah, I love that song too. And I thought that was a really good growth moment, especially compared like that moment to in season one, his um, uh, I could, but I won't, but I could if I wanted to yes. <laughs> song. Yeah. So Vicky, what are you going to be reading next? Uh, well. I have a problem with Star Wars books, and <laughs> there are so many coming out, but I've actually been reading Dr. Afra, which is a comic series about this new character who uh, worked with Darth Vader. She's like a Han Solo archaeologist, but she's evil, basically. Holy shit. Okay. And she like cheats at all her exams, and my favorite thing about it is that there are these two droids, and it's basically evil C-3PO and evil R2-D2. And this they're just amazing. her companions, and they're adorable, and I love them, and they're so evil. And like, three PO's uh, fingers fold back. His, his name is Triple Zero, and he has like syringes and blades and fire coming out. And every time Evil R two beeps, he's like, "Oh, well, you know, I don't think we could dissolve the bodies fast enough for that. You need to calm down." And then they keep going on with the, the rest of the scene. Oh my god, this is so. You said it's, this is a comic book? Yeah, it's Doctor Afra. I'm going to have to figure that. It. Oh my god, it's amazing. See, and this makes me want them to bring back the character from Knights of the Old Republic, HK47, who was yes. the, the the clearly like not evil but like morally questionable droid, <laughs> who was yes. very happy Bad when you killed other living things. I have not watched the preview for the new movie. Uh, I gave up watching movie trailers this year. I, I try so hard to avoid movie trailers, and it's so very, very hard to avoid them. Yeah, the only thing I know is the Porg, but I did just buy my ticket, and I'm very excited. <laughs> See it at, I, at 8.30 in the morning, but oh, I got oh, wow. front row at the Draft House, which is where I like to sit. Oh, yeah, I, have, I, have, I have opening night IMAX 3D tickets oh, that's gonna be Battery nice. Park. So. See, Draft House came with the cup, so I very much wanted the cup. Well, mine gave you... Mine came with the ability for you to spend more money on a poster, which I yeah. did because it's kind of like I, I this is something that I and one of my cousins do. He's turning fourteen for his birthday <laughs> the next day, essentially. Oh cool. That's gonna be great. Um and it's like for the next, you know, starting two years ago, it's been like super easy because he's always been huge in the Star Wars. You're like, Oh, 
they're putting out Star Wars movies right around his birthday. Easy birthday presents for the next six years. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Easy merchandise to buy. It's so good. <laughs> uh, Vicky, have you read the Shakespeare Star Wars books? I have not. Okay. I, I want to meet someone who's read these to see if they're worth my time to look at. Um, I've been mostly, very I tempted. Love the cover. The covers, the covers are, are so gorgeous. I love them, but I don't. Oh. I feel like I'm going to be let down by them. I'm not I do sure. too. This is why I have yet to, to make <laughs> the jump. I want it to be beautiful, but I'll let you know if I. Read well, it. I, I still probably. haven't picked up. Um, <laughs> I still wanted to pick up Star Wars from a certain point of view. Uh, yes. Which is the 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 big short story book, including um, Max Fun and Max Fun's Griffin McElroy as well. Oh one of yeah, their... yeah, yeah. I have. And from it. all I've accounts, I've heard the story, story he wrote is night. very good. But I haven't read his yet. I haven't gotten there. Uh, but I, I, that's, I I'm going to be picking that up next month uh, once I'm through this uh, Mad Adam trilogy. <laughs> yeah, I need to go on a book buying freeze, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> yeah not... i have a problem <laughs> yeah uh i yeah i um my library my poor god i think i have eight ebooks on one account and five on the other now granted my mother also uses my ebook account so that's okay <laughs> but yeah i have a problem i need to actually take them back well, I, I, there's one thing I can thank this book that we read for is that like I because especially like this this last seven days essentially, um, I have made time every day for reading just to make sure that I'm reading every day and that's I used to do that every day make sure I set aside at least an hour a day to read, and since I moved to New York, there's you know only infinity things to do all the time, <laughs> so I haven't been doing that as much. I think since I moved here almost three years ago, I finished three books including this one that we just read wow we went in um, opposite directions and well and this has made me go like no i need to do more of this what i need to do is unsubscribe from about half the podcast that i listen to <laughs> right so that i'm not because i see that list piling up of like oh you have 60 unlistened to episodes like oh shit need to make time for that yeah i need to get rid of those pare that list down and go back to reading because i i went to a book swap this weekend and ended up giving away Several books that I had purchased and not read. Totally oh, wow. forgot that that was happening this weekend. I had every intention of going, and then I saw the pictures and was like, oh, whoops, I forgot. <laughs> but also that would require me to go through my books, and I'm not ready it's to It's so do hard. It's, I don't want to so tear my books down. I love them all. Exactly. Well, the, and the ones books. that I gave away are all books that I had read before that I had intended on rereading, or in one case, a book that I hadn't read because I got it through a dip, like an anonymous book swap and it was another romance novel and oh, I had yeah. no taste in my mm. mouth for that. Understandable. Yeah, I have to admit that when the subways um, got cell service I was very upset because that's always been my reading time. And now uh, people can reach me. So. <laughs> yeah. You just need to put on airplane mode when you, when you uh, get down there. I do need to do that because it's I don't know. I, I feel especially with work i feel guilty but like that the hour and a half a day that i was writing back and forth like well it was 40 minutes both way or whatever uh it's wonderful like you you have nothing else to do because you have no cell service and this is how i read so much until uh until they added the cell service i mean i'm still i'm I'm just shy of 100 books this year so i really can't complain yeah and i i I remember, like, this is probably, like, 15 years ago that I made uh, I made one of my last New Year's resolutions, which was read two books a month. 
And that year I ended up reading 75 books-ish. <laughs> so I definitely cleared that hurdle. Yeah, it's definitely a habit that you have to get into. But yeah. but also, like, I, I, and for the most part, I read, like, this is one of the shorter books. And these, these Matt Adam books are some of the shorter books that I've generally read because I am big into fantasy and fantasy authors. Okay. And some of the bigger fantasy authors tend to be super verbose. So, uh, yeah, like, Tad Williams, for instance, who I've read many of his books, uh, he has at least two series that were three books apiece, but when they published them in paperback, they had to split the third volume in each of these series into two volumes, because it was literally too big to be printed in paperback. Oh no. Oh no. Uh, I have have one right here. Let me get a page count on the end of this. It's a Green Angel Tower Part 1 from the Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn series, and it is... Uh, near a little over 800 pages. Jeez. Ooh. And that's part one of two books. And, and the, uh, ouch, sorry about that. It's all good. Um, there's a Shadow March series where the books were about eight to 900 pages each. Yeah, the longest book I'm reading this year is It. And I started it in September after I saw the movie, which I knew nothing about the book before seeing the movie. Um, uh, the book, the movie was very, very good. I still haven't read the book. Um, I have... 200 pages left i think and i have read 16 books in between starting and i still have not (laughs) finished it and honestly like i need to finish it because i've come so far but also at the same time like i'm so done with this book like it just reminded me why i don't particularly care for stephen king um because you can be this just too wordy like, you can save probably 100 pages by taking out the descriptives of teenage Bev and making, stop making her just gross. Well, <laughs> and, okay. I, I mean, that book has caught a lot of flack for having, having a, basically a giant teenage orgy in it, or like a barely teenage orgy in yeah. it. I'm not even to that part um, yet. Like, that is the, I'm so, well, I can't finish S- Stephen King... Like, I don't want to defend him, like, having sex scenes with children in it, because that's not great. But I will say, with my experience with Stephen King, I've I've read a lot of Stephen King, especially as a teenager. I read a ton of Stephen King. Um, And his whole line is generally of, like, he will print realistic things. Yeah. Uh and like so when he has like and i have again i haven't read it so i don't know but my understanding is that like he has this like underage child orgy in it but it's not like a sexual thing at all it's part of the story yeah and makes sense within the context of the story but he does murder women and children graphically in his novels he does have people being abused both men and women graphically and sexually and and violently in his novels but it's not like it doesn't feel with some authors it feels like a kink with him it feels like him just trying to write genuinely terrifying stories i get that and the horror doesn't bother me and actually like those are the parts that i really like but it's every time he talks about bev as a kid and i just i don't maybe it's just the political climate that's getting to me right now but it's so sexualized that i'm like you don't have to do this about a 12 year old girl yeah, he does. He does. Um, he does male gaze a lot of his a lot yeah. of his female characters. Yeah, to the point that like, eventually, I she and um, it's not Ben; it's the other one. Um, 
shit. Oh, I can't, I can't think of his name. They have sex as adults, and it's kind of, like, off-putting to me because he's described her so much in this way as a child that I was like, I no longer am okay with this. So See, that was the point but I mean, that I, I stopped. I was like, I, I don't know like, if I can do this. I, I can't defend that. I won't defend that. Yeah. But, like, it, I think it could be contextualized of, you know, I'm – I'm a 33-year-old dude, and I haven't, like, I've, I've had opportunities to meet people that I went to, like, high school with or middle school with that I haven't seen since then. And a lot of your brain does want to, like, go and contextualize them with, like, people that I was very good friends with back then that, of course, you graduate, you move away, you do whatever, and you don't see them again. Yeah. That, like, my brain is still constantly wrapping back to the relationship we had before as friends or whatever we were in that context. It's still, you still get tied up in that. But again, not defending what he did, like, because I haven't read it. I don't understand what context he's using. No, you're cool. I'm but, not taking it as a defense thing. I just, it pretty much secured my, like, I've only read this probably my third or fourth Stephen King, and it's, I really like horror. I just don't particularly care for Stephen King. Is what I've come to learn. Um, as like, I, I don't like his horror books. I, I do like his writing book. Um, and I do like him as a person. And I find it, like, his mind is fascinating. It's just like, these books are too wordy for me. It's the same reason, like, I can't read Charles Dickens or something like that. Where I'm just like, it's too much. This could be edited so much better. Yeah, and I, I haven't read that many Stephen King novels as an adult. So maybe, maybe it's kind of that teenage brain that wants me to think that, like, I... When I was a teenager, I was tearing through, like, there was a three-week period where I had to stay with my grandparents for a summer for three weeks, and in that period, I read The Stand and the first four books of the Dark Tower series in three weeks, which, and this is, like, the re-released, mostly uncut version of The Stand, so, like, I probably read 8,000 million pages with Stephen King in three weeks. Yeah. And I like as a teenager, I was super into that. But again, I haven't read that much of him as an adult, and I haven't loved that much that he's put out since his car accident. Right. I do like his son. That I just only realized this year is his son, uh, Jonah. Is it Jonah Hill? Joe Hill? Who wrote Lock and Key? Uh, I I do not know this. I'm the wrong I'm the wrong audience for that question. <laughs> I think they just also put out a book together. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I, we've gotten so off track and I'm not even sure what started this. Um, <laughs> and that's okay. Um, so, so Meg, what, what book do you plan to read? Not for the podcast, but for <laughs> fun when you, when you have got the next, the next chance. Um, I'm actually, thankfully in between books right now, um, with all my podcasts. So I am debating, um, reading, uh, I can't think of his name, Daniel Older. Um, Daniel Jose Older's second uh, Shadow Shaper book. Um, he is, it, it's an urban fantasy in Brooklyn um, that is just, the first one was fantastic and I'm really excited. I've had the second one since May. I got it as an advanced reader copy and I still haven't read it. Um, or I'm reading Adam Silva, I think it's Silva's, um, They Both Die at the End. So I have no idea which one. I, I, knowing all this, I could pick up Tom Hanks' book. Who knows? <laughs> so, um, it's honestly like which one I grab tomorrow when I go to the subway. <laughs> so, so uh, do and I, I you know I'm kind of like t- 
taking You're control good. here a little bit. Uh, do either of you have a piece of erotica that you would recommend instead of reading this terrible <laughs> book series? Oh, God. I mean, like... I'm only introducing this as a question because I have answers to this question. <laughs> my, my answer to this is, like, everybody has a TV show they love or a book they love. Go read some fanfic. Like, there's some damn good fanfic out there that'll quench your thirst. Um, I honestly don't, off the top of my head, know any erotica books. Um, actually, I don't even know if I... Let me look at my Goodreads. I don't know if I've actually read any other erotica. Um, what about you, Vicky? Uh, since I listened to the audiobook for most of this, I'm going to say that... I've actually also been listening to a podcast called Potterotica, which is they read Harry Potter erotica. Shut up. Oh my God. It's great. I just just heard about this yesterday. And it's amazing. So I guess listen to that. Not this. Potter erotica. Potterotica. Portmanteau. Oh my God. This is the most amazing thing ever. Well, never mind me cutting my podcast down. I got to add one more. Well, I mean, my dad wrote a porno is technically on break right now, so we need something to fill that gap. <laughs> so this is where, uh, and I mentioned these earlier, and I just wanted to read some of the titles. So the, there's this publishing company, and I'm pretty sure that the author, uh, or at least the pseudonymed author, uh, is the same person that owns the publishing company, and they're self-publishing their own erotica. Uh, the author is Bitch Williams, B-Y-T-C-H. <laughs> oh it is Hot Rocks Erotica is the publisher. H-A-W-T-R-O-X, oh if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I got followed on Twitter out of nowhere by by uh, Hot Rocks. No and, worries. And a couple of these were on Kindle Unlimited, and then a couple weren't. But there are currently seven titles listed here, or six titles listed here, and then one that I saw just on Amazon when I was pulling this up. But... Uh, the, these stories are, and they're typically, I want to say like maybe 30, 40 pages. They're very, very short. They are kind of tongue in cheek with the humor, but also written as like explicit erotica. Uh, but I want to read to you a couple of the titles and I haven't, I can't say that I've read all of these, but, uh, the titles are enough to entice you if you're the kind of person who would want to read these, to read these, um, there is Bigfoot, You Are the Father. Uh, but th- this series is all like um, erotica with uh, famous monsters. So, Interesting. Uh, Bigfoot, You Are the Father. There is um, Savaged by Slenderman. Oh my god. Uh, butt Blasted by the Banshee. Oh my god. And th- just the best title of any book I've ever seen, uh, which is My Lactation Consultant is a Lesbian Werewolf. Wow. And I mean, these books do lean into their own humor. I would, I wouldn't even call them books, but they're like, they're, 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 as much as Fifty Shades of Grey tries to be both literature and uh, erotica, but it ends up being trashy romance and porn. um, These just dispense with the whole trashy romance angle and they're just like book porn. Uh, But they're, they're, kind of fun reads (laughs) all right uh but also on that vein i was recommended a book that i have not read yet but sounds super interesting which is a a historical romance um 
called Extraordinary Union by Alyssa Cole. Okay. Which is a, uh, it's a, this is secondhand from yesterday from somebody telling me about it, but I believe it's a, during the, uh, not the, either the Revolutionary War or the Civil War. American Union sounds like it would be Civil War. Um, a romance novel between a slave and somebody else. I don't want to say her owner, but a, like I believe a slave is the main female interest in it. Interesting. Hmm. But again, I could have all of those details wrong. But the description <laughs> I heard of it yesterday—that's what it sounds when like. I it was it, like the description I heard yesterday was enough for me to write it down. and Go, I want to read this. Um. um but I've forgotten most of those details since. I, uh, I was quickly texting to make sure that I could talk about this. Um, so a past guest of ours, uh, Mr. Ollie Brady, uh, has been published in a, an erotic collection. Uh, Ooh. It is Kiss and Tell, a collection of steamy tales. Uh, and it came out, I think, this past September. Um, but it has his name on it. I just wanted to make sure, like, before I talked about it, that he was cool. And he says he is. So, um, I have read it. I have not, I don't own the book. I, um, traded stories with him when we both submitted for this, um, <laughs> anthology, which was a very fun time in life. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if you want to support past guests, go read Ollie's story. Yeah. And Ollie's a super cool dude. I, I will, I will do that. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know anybody else in this anthology, but yeah, uh, it looks like it's <laughs> 10 bucks for the anthology. Um, so yeah, I'm like embarrassed and I don't know why. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Secondhand embarrassment, which is ridiculous because Ollie is a fantastic writer. So, um, go check that out. Um, before we talk about next book, uh, if you guys have anything that you want to plug that you do on the internet, please do. Um, sorry, I had to reach for my cord um do you guys have anything you want to plug nope. i <laughs> all, all the things that i had that i could plug have i i'm still like in hiatus of trying to figure out where they went and <laughs> how to get them back but if you're going to try to bring them back go ahead and plug them um well i would say just for now follow or don't uh at self sagax s-e-l-f-s-a-g-a-x on twitter I don't tweet very often, but when I do, I try to either be funny or I try to uh, troll ultra conservative, but very <laughs> uneducated people. Nice. Um, or I also just tweet at my friends when I want to have conversations with them over Twitter and that's their main form of communication. All right. But I'm not super active on there. You can also like through that, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, but I, I mostly don't do much. I'm trying to fix that in the near future though. <laughs> I hope uh, your wing reviews coming back. Uh, oh yeah, if you yeah, I did a I did a short lived but soon well hopefully soon somewhere in the future to be coming back uh, wing review column that was maybe hubristically called weekly wing review. <laughs> um, it's a lot of work to do that every week. I did not realize, especially when it's an unpaid passion project. Um, yeah, we'll get you some, but some if you help for that you, next time. Uh, if you go to maxfun.nyc or if you live in, you know, New York and you're a MaxFun uh, fan, go to maxfun.nyc, join the community there. But if you go there, you can look up my weekly wing review. So if you find yourself in the New York City area and want to know where to get good chicken wings, I have told you on that website. <laughs> They're 
delicious. They are. <laughs> um, Vicky, nothing to promote, you said? Nope. I okay. don't have anything online. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really exist. That's what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, More like Vicky Ghostin. <laughs> uh, so... The next book we're reading is Mr. Darcy's Diary by yes. Amanda Grange. Um, so in two weeks, we'll be back to talk about that. Uh, outside of this podcast, you can find me on my other two, um, Fabulous Retellings, uh, where we discuss fairy tales and their retellings, kind of on the nose. Um, we're just finishing up Donkey Skin, so there's a lot of drinking. Um which means there's a lot of laughing in the episodes, and I apologize. Um, <laughs> the other podcast is A Handbook for a Handbook for Mortals, where me and my friend James go through the 2017 controversial A Handbook for Mortals and uh, read each chapter. And I've read the book in its entirety, so James is trying to figure out what the hell is going on in the book. Um, outside of that, you can find us on our website, judgingbookcovers.com. Uh, Facebook and Twitter is JBC Podcast. Instagram is Judging Book Covers Podcast. Um, see you in two weeks. Bye. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>